Well, good morning, everybody. How are you feeling today? Come on. Who's excited to be in church, man? It's so good to see all of your beautiful faces this Sunday morning. For those of you that do not know who I am, my name is Kevin Illich, and I'm one of the central directors here on staff, which basically is the fancy way to say I have the honor and the privilege to work here and in Lancaster, our Lancaster campus, who's watching live right now. We love you, Lancaster. Let's give it up for them. Man, uh, just kind of winding down from the Christmas season, right? Raise your hand if you put your tree away already. Day after Christmas, man, 9 a.m., that stuff was down and in the basement. And that's me, ready for a new year, uh, a new season. Uh, and hey, listen, I don't know what the traditions are for you in your house over Christmas season. Um, maybe you travel, you know, maybe you go out of state, maybe you have family that comes into town, maybe. Uh, you cook a huge Christmas dinner. Uh, maybe you eat a lot of huge Christmas dinners. Can I get an amen? Man, I'm going to pay for that. Uh, but I don't know what your tradition is, but I hope Christmas was special for you. Christmas is a special time. Uh, and for me this year, really for me and my wife, Christmas uh, was extra special. Uh, we have two kids, and our oldest finally is the age where he kind of understands what Christmas is about. Like, no longer do we give him a gift, and, and he opens the gift and just throws the present aside and comes over here and plays with the wrapping paper like he knows what Christmas is. And as a dad, man, that's like, that's awesome. I cannot wait to make this Christmas the best Christmas ever, and I'm going to tell you what, I did everything I could, man. I spent way too much money on my son. I bought him so much stuff. I bought him like this thing. I know he won't even use till probably he's like eight, but I can't even use the thing. It's just so complicated, but I bought him like this mini drone, you know? It's like, it was just so cute. I'm like, the thought of him doing that would be would be so awesome, and, and I just went all out for Christmas this year for him because, you know, Christmas is a special time, and, and I want his first one to be special. And so, you know, I mean, just thinking about the whole night, like, beforehand, where we're putting the cookies out for Santa Claus, uh, you know, and we're wrapping all the last-minute gifts, and we're looking at the pile, the mountain of toys that I bought, uh, just because it feels like every time I went to Walmart, I, I ended up in the toy section, and I bought something again for him, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what did we do to ourselves? We're going to have to move. We have to move. And so maybe that's what's in store for 2019. I have no idea. Uh, um, but Christmas is special. And so we wanted to make it special on the morning of, and, and I wanted to make sure that, that I got it all on tape. And I have this little fear. It's kind of an irrational fear. Maybe it's rational. I don't know. But, like, the only thing that I ever videotaped my kids are, like, Snapchats. And so, like, when I'm old and my kids are grown and I want to watch home videos, all I'll have is, like, a boomerang, you know, of him, like, punching his sister in the face. And we'll just watch boomerang after boomerang after boomerang. We won't have anything else. So I bought the extra cloud storage for 99 cents, and we recorded the whole thing front to back. And, man, it was special. I mean, I don't know how many of you have had young kids, and, and you can remember that first time. And, and uh, it just went, like... You know how a lot of times you try to make something special and it just totally flops and fails and goes, you know, the complete wrong way? Well, by the grace of God, it went perfectly. I don't know how, but the morning was awesome. Uh, and it was just a special, special uh, moment uh, for our son and for us as parents just to kind of walk in the bedroom. And they, he woke up after us, which never happens. And, and so and we got to hear his little footsteps come down the hardwood floor in the morning in the dimly lit living room with the bright Christmas tree glowing on his face. And, 
And he looked at all the gifts under the tree and he goes, Presents! I mean, that's special. And I think that my intention as a dad was to do whatever I could to create a moment and a memory for my son. And I think that that's kind of what Christmas is all about, right? I mean, you can kind of mark Christmases in your mind by the moment that you experienced on the day of. That like events are defined by moments. And, and moments are times, man, where there's just strong emotion tied to an experience. And it's not really just Christmas if you think about it. I mean, it's really life in general. Like our whole life is kind of dependent on the powerful moments that we experience. Like, was this year a good year or a bad year? You think about it based on the amount of good moments you had and the amount of bad moments you had. I mean, for me, I can think of some of the good moments that happened this year. Um, we welcomed our second child into the world, Mila, and she's beautiful, and that was a moment that I will never forget. Um, another thing, uh, a moment that we experienced was um, the groundbreaking ceremony uh, for our church. Like, there's such an emotional experience. I mean, our church has been through me and praise God. And we got to experience that together as a church, like once in a lifetime type thing. That was a powerful moment um, that I remember. I mean, I also remember, like, this year we hired uh, every kid staff person that we have, we hired this year. So we've got Becca Dawson and Morgan Claproot and Raina Schultz here in Lithopolis and Eddie Warren down in Lancaster. Can we give it up for our kid staff, man? They're poised and ready to do great things. I mean, that was something that was special, I think, for me, just to see who God brought to the team. And it's just incredible how we remember these good moments. And, and if you think about your year, you had them too. You know, maybe you got married this year. That's a good moment. You know, maybe you're in high school and you had your first kiss this year. That's a really good moment. Just kidding. That's inappropriate for church, I think. But I don't know, you know, what, what, your, your, what your good moments were. Maybe you retired this year and you've been saving up your whole life to do this and, and you're retired. Um, maybe you welcomed a kid into the world. I don't know. Maybe you got a huge promotion. Maybe you got a huge pay raise. Maybe you moved into a much bigger, better, nicer house. You got the truck of your dreams. I don't know what good moments you've experienced this year. But here's what I know is that good moments, they're the moments that we will always remember. But there's also moments that we wish we could forget. And that if you think back at your year, there's probably some moments that you wish you could forget. Like for me, that moment, first thing I think about is that moment, that one day where I stepped on the scale and that number popped back up at me. <laughs> Instant resolution right there for the new year. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, Another bad moment for me, like I, uh, the first time I ever have really yelled at my son, like really lost my temper and lost my cool and just a look of absolute terror on his face. Like I'll never forget that moment, you know. And you've had moments like that this year. Maybe, you know, maybe you lost somebody this year and you realize that they're really gone, and that's a moment. You know, maybe you realized that that habit that you have, the thing that you used to only do on the weekends, now you do every day, and that habit has actually become an addiction, and you had a moment where you realized where you're actually in trouble, and you need to do something about it. That's a bad moment. Or maybe you've had a moment where you looked in the mirror, 
hated the person that was staring back at you. That sometimes we have bad moments. And in the church world, we kind of have a term for this. And I'm sure if you've been around Christians for long enough, you've heard this term. As we call these bad moments, these moments we wish we could forget, we call them storms. Oh, yeah, man, like, had a lot of storms this year. A lot of storm, wave after wave, man, we just sang about wave after wave, you know. And there's a storm, man, I'm going through something bad, something I wish I could forget, but man, God is good. You've heard this terminology uh, before, but I think that in life, it's inevitable that we will experience some storms. And we will have some bad moments. And you know that to be true. Maybe you're feeling some, some storms and you're feeling betrayal. Maybe you feel some storms and, and it's filled with fear. Maybe it's loss. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's grief. But, but there's so many storms that we experience in our life. And, and, and going into 2019, I feel like a lot of us are asking the same type of question. And that is, how can I experience more good moments and less bad moments next year? Like... More calm waters and less storms, please. More victories, less tragedies, more triumphs, less trials. But the storms, they just seem to be inevitable. And, and what I want to talk about today is, is what does God want to do in the middle of the storm? And so today, I want to invite someone into this conversation, and it's a guy named Paul. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 27, but Paul, you probably know him by this point as Preacher Paul, right? Paul, who uh, was, uh, played a huge part in advancing the gospel. And the book of Acts is this absolute monster of the faith, man. He's awesome. And, but at this point, Paul is about to go through a literal storm. Like lightning and wind and like literal storm. But not only is he going to go through a literal storm, he's also going through more of an emotional storm. Because you see, at this point, Paul's actually not preacher Paul right now. Preacher Paul turned into prisoner Paul because he was thrown in jail. And so he's on a ship with about 250 other inmates, and, and they're traveling to Rome. And you see, Paul always wanted to go to Rome, but he wanted to go to Rome to be a preacher. He didn't know he'd be going to Rome as a prisoner. And so that's what we pick up in this story. Acts 27, he's about to go through a storm. So verse 7, it says, We made slow headway for many days. And had difficulty arriving off of Nidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost. Sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. You see, it was a particular time of the year where sailing was traditionally dangerous. So Paul warned them. Man, prisoner Paul, you can kind of imagine him, he's a preacher in the body of a prisoner, right? He says, man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, the person who was making the decision, instead of listening to what Paul said, he followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. You skip a few verses, it says, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. It's, I don't know if you've ever experienced this reading the Bible, but it's so easy to just kind of read the text and like gloss through it. And maybe sometimes you read the Bible and you always put yourself as the main character uh, in the Bible. Like, oh, I'm at the Apollo to me, or Jesus, yeah, you're talking about. But today, I think it might be fun just for a second, just as an exercise to maybe, can we find ourselves in this story? And with that passage, 
It just, sometimes, man, I identify with the pilot. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes I feel like I identify with the pilot. And what I mean is, sometimes I find myself in a storm that was my own fault. It was my mistake that put me in. I mean, does anybody, have you ever experienced, have you been in a storm because of your own wrongdoing, because you made a bad decision, because you got behind the wheel when you shouldn't have, because you went too far into a relationship outside of your marriage that you know you shouldn't have done. It was your mistake. And listen, I know we got our Christmas clothes on today and our hair's all did and our shoes are white today and we're in church. But listen, I want to get real today. And have you ever been in a storm that was your own fault? It's your own decision. I have. It's hard to deal with, with being in a storm. That was your own mistake. It was your own doing. I can't think of how many times in my life that my reaction, my poor response to a situation, my poor response to someone or some adversity or hardship has put me into my own storm. Sometimes, sometimes I'm the pilot. And it's my fault. In verse 15, says the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it, and we were driven along. And as we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard, and then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor. They let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that day that they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And I read this and and I think about the storms of our life and sometimes I'm the pilot and I get myself into a situation, but sometimes, sometimes I'm the boat. Sometimes I'm the boat. Sometimes I find myself in a situation or maybe it wasn't my fault, maybe, but I just keep experiencing storm after storm. Maybe you're in a place where it's hard to get out of bed. Maybe you're in a place where the waves of life are crashing so hard against the bow of your soul that you are throwing everything overboard, that you have pushed the button it's time to cut off every relationship because you're afraid of someone seeing you in the state that you're in. It was hard coming to church today. It was hard listening to worship today. It's hard driving on the parking lot today. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like the boat? A situation where you feel like life is just winning. And maybe it's so bad for you. Maybe it's so bad that you feel like verse 20. This is terrifying, absolutely terrifying. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Maybe you're in a place in your life where you're like the boat and, and you're not just desperate anymore, but you're in despair. And you're experiencing like depression in such a way that you can't even imagine how it could get any better. That's a storm. And sometimes we feel like the boat. And then there's verse 21. 
It says, after they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them. Here's Paul. Here he goes. And he said, men, you should have taken my advice. Not to sail. And then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Sometimes in my storm, I feel like Paul. This wasn't my fault. Have you ever been in a storm where it wasn't your decision that got you there? Can I get an amen? Have you ever had a co-worker who had it out for you and so their reaction to you had put you in a storm that you did not ask for? Have you ever been in a situation where you are doing everything right? You're going to church every week. You're giving the right percentage of your gross income to God through the tithe. And you're being generous outside of the walls. You joined a small group. You are serving. You are volunteering. You're being a great co-worker, a great son, a great daughter, a great student. You're trying as hard as you can. And the actions of somebody else put you in a storm. Sometimes I'm Paul. So what do we do? I think is the question. These storms are inevitable. Sometimes I realize I'm like the pilot. Where it was my fault. Sometimes I realize I'm like the boat. Okay, where I find myself in a place. I just want some relief. I just want something to make me feel a little bit better. How can I, my life, sometimes I feel like Paul where I try to do everything right and I still find myself in a storm. How am I supposed to respond to these very real and very true storms of life? And that's where verse 22 comes in. Two of my favorite words in the entire passage. In 22 it says, but... Now, but now, but now, but now, touch somebody beside you and say, but now, but now, but now, listen, I know that it's somebody else's fault you're in your storm. I know that you're in a situation where you feel like life is just crashing against your boat. And I know that it wasn't your fault, but listen, that's but, but what about now? Sometimes we sit so long in our storm that we don't realize that there's something on the other side. So Paul's reaction in the moment is what's incredible. I want to read it to you. <clears throat> I want to read it to you. He says, I urge you, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. I mean, you got to understand the severity of this storm. That, to say something like that in the storm that they are in, what kind of audacity do you have, Paul? Do you realize that this storm was so intense it lasted for 14 days? A 14-day long storm. Okay, for 14 days, everybody was so terrified on the ship that they didn't eat. Not because of any lack, but because they were so afraid that they didn't even eat the food that they had. You have to understand that this storm was so intense... That they started to throw everything off board. The wind had blew this big ship carrying over 250 people, 450 miles off course. So Paul says, this is his reaction, it's crazy. He says, I urge you, keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Is that good news? Or is that bad news? I'll be good, but we're on the ship, 
and the ship's going to be destroyed. And I think that there's something that God might want to tell you if you're in this room today and if you're going through a storm that, hey, listen, Paul's reaction is an indication that his faith is not in the boat. His faith is in God who is in the storm. Listen, you have been thinking that, that God is going to take you somewhere in your life based on the vessel that you find yourself in. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your house. Maybe it's your paycheck. But what I want to tell you is, is that if you put your faith in your paycheck, if you put your faith in the vessel that you are trusting and not in God, you won't have this perspective, but Paul does. Paul responds in faith. Now Paul's reaction to the storm was faith. And how did he have the confidence to react with such faith? It reads on, it says, Last night an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. God has graciously given you to the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith, and here it is, that it will happen just as he told me. This next part is so good, but nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. <laughs> Paul, man, cracks me up. The question I want to pose to you is this. In the middle of your storm, what does your reaction to your storm show people about your faith? What does your reaction to your storm show people about your faith? Because here's the deal, when everybody else on that boat was reacting in a way, Paul reacted a different way. And his reaction was, was different. And it was inspiring. And I think that you know, all of us, maybe you, you know of somebody who's been in a storm in your life, and maybe it's not you, but you see somebody going through a storm in a situation, in a moment in life that you can't imagine, and that they react such a way to it, that they have such faith through it, that it's inspiring. And uh, I kind of got to have one of those moments and one of those conversations firsthand. Um, we have somebody, a 23-year-old uh, guy who goes to Lancaster. His name's Nathan. Um, and uh, he was in a storm. And he was diagnosed with stage 3 testicular cancer at the age of 23 years old. That's a storm. And that wasn't his fault. And he didn't see it coming. And he did everything he could do, but cancer as a storm and so I would see his his Facebook post you know because he goes to our church and, and I see him going through all these treatments chemotherapy week after week just looks sick as a dog he was thin to begin with but then after all the treatment it's like he's like drinking two sips of chicken broth a day like this dude is I mean when I say storm I mean storm but here's his situation didn't line up with his reaction didn't line up and so that was the situation and then you look 
And he'd say, oh, I've been praying today that God's going to work a miracle today that I have never even seen before. Thank you, everybody, for praying for me. I can feel the prayers lifting me up. My faith is being built. I know God's going to do something. I know he's going to use me. And that's just, I'm like, what is going on here? Because if I were in that situation, I don't know if that, I could do that. I don't know if I could have the faith. I don't know if I could have the foresight to, to really have that reaction. And so, you know, anybody that's like that, I'm like, dude, I got I to gotta meet with you. I got to hear your story. Why, why do you do that? Why is that, you know, the way that you're responding to this storm, to this situation? And so I sat down with him and had coffee with him. And I just asked him to just share his heart with him. Like, what, what's going on? And, 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 and I asked him at one point, like, when you found out that you were that sick, and that you were that close to a tragedy happening, like, what was your reaction? It's funny because he told me this little story, and I'll never forget it. He said, it's funny you asked that, Kevin. He said, people would always come up to me right after everybody found out I was sick, and, and they would be just crying and like laying their head on my shoulder and they were so sorry and we know you must be so scared and, and we know that you you know you, I don't know what's going to happen listen we're here for you anything you need you let us know like aren't you so terrified and Nathan said I almost feel like I was offensive when I responded and here's this dude's faith you gotta listen to it he said I told them that God has initiated this in my life and that God is going to use this storm to help somebody one day and that God is going to heal me from this sickness and even if he doesn't heal me I know that he'll use this story this storm for his glory and listen what I want to say to you today is that Nathan is cancer free and has been for three months can we give it up for him he's serving in Lancaster He's on the photography team. He's exploring different ministry opportunities. How can he share his story for the advancement of God's kingdom? You see, what Paul would tell you and what Nathan would tell you is that it's not about why you're in the storm. And it's not that it doesn't hurt, because I know it does. And it's not that we don't know that somebody else puts you there. All of those things may be true. But I think what Paul would tell you and what Nathan would tell you is that the reaction that you have in your storm could invite God's redemption to your story. That your reaction of faith will tell people a lot about the God that you serve. Because, listen, pretty much the same thing that happened to Nathan also happened to Paul. Because you got to read on. It's awesome in Acts 28 you see they do end up running aground and they do end up losing the ship and yeah they had a doggy paddle to shore but listen they ended up on some remote island okay with some indigenous people that had never ever heard the gospel before can anybody say opportunity man and so God used this storm to put Paul in a place where nobody had ever heard of the hope that was in Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead that's what he was doing in the first place he he's a prisoner now but he's still a preacher at heart and he sees any opportunity to advance God's kingdom and through a series of events you got to read it it's such an entertaining thing to read you got to read it, but, but through a series of events, he ends up in the leader of the island's house as a prisoner. Finds out that the leader's dad is deathly ill, and he says, oh, that's crazy that he's sick because I know somebody who heals. 
And so what does Paul do? He heals uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, the dad of the leader of the island. And every sick person on that island was healed of their sickness. And it's all because of the storm. That you might be in a spot today where you feel like you've drifted so far from what you thought God's purpose was for your life. That you feel like it's so, it's so severe, it's so hard, it's so painful, there's so much grief that you don't know how God could redeem your situation and put you back on track. But what I want to tell you is, is that God wants to redeem your storm. He's doing something in your storm. In James 1, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen, the storm is not meant to take you out. The storm is not meant to tear you down. The storm is meant so God can put something inside of your spirit so that in the next storm, come on somebody, in the next storm, you'll have exactly what you need. And God sees you in your storm. And listen, in 2019, I don't want to just measure my life by good moments and bad moments, by victories, by tragedies, by wins and by losses, triumphs and trials. I don't want to measure my life like that. I want to have this perspective. I want to have Paul's perspective. I want to have Nathan's perspective. And yeah, it may hurt. And yeah, it may be excruciating. And yeah, I may not see the way out right now but not the good moments not the bad moments but in every moment I have an opportunity to show my faith in the God that I serve through my reaction to my storm and I believe that for you today 2019 is going to be a different year let's pray Heavenly Father God we all go through storms we all have them realize today that every single person in this room has a storm and they represent a different struggle and if you're in this room today and you'd say yeah I'm in a storm you could be the pilot you could be the boat you could be Paul you could be whatever you want but you would say yeah, yeah I'm going through a storm financial storm relational storm whatever kind of storm it is I believe God wants to minister to your heart today. And so if that's you here or in Lancaster, could you just pick your hand up real quick? Right now, if you'd say, that's me, I'm in a storm, I'm dealing with something. I see you, I see you, I see you, God sees you. His hands up all over the room. And listen, I believe that God wants to give you a perspective today that's beyond your storm. In fact, the word I'm supposed to give you today is that when you're in the storm, you experience the rage, but when you're above the storm, you see what's actually happening. And so God, I feel like God's giving you a perspective right now above the storm. And so God, we realize that what we need today is faith. That God, it's impossible to react to a storm without faith in you. That God, we don't have faith in the boat, but we have faith in you. 
And so, God, would you help us have that perspective in 2019? That, God, we want it to be a different year. That we want 2019 to be a year where we can see your work in every storm. That it's not about the good moments, it's not about the bad moments, but God, every moment is a moment that you ordain and a moment that you can redeem. So God, would you use every single moment? God, would you use every single storm? God, would you use every single battle to glorify your name through our lives, Jesus? God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to flip the page into a new year. We're thankful for your grace that helps us be able to do that. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, listen, guys, I'm so thankful um, that I got to share this word today. It's been on my heart for a while. I hope you have a wonderful new year. Listen, 2019 is going to be amazing uh, for our church. But can we just give it up one more time for the word of God in this place?